Hi everyone. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Shelly Cameron and I'm the CEO for the City of Philadelphia's Division of Aviation. And we are responsible for running Philadelphia International Airport. I'm sure a lot of you have traveled through our airport and also the Philadelphia Northeast Airport. So we have two airports in our system. And this is a really special morning for us because to our listeners who are listening to our podcast, this is our first ever live broadcast. And the podcast is called Taking Off with Shelly Cameron. I know a little bit of a cheesy name, but put it in your podcast downloads. We've done some really amazing topics that I hope that you would like. And this morning, we are at Entercom Studios as part of the inaugural BPHL Festival, and we're really excited to be here. So I'm going to do some opening remarks, and then we're going to get into questions because this festival is all about innovation. And that's a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. And I can't think of anyone that I would rather have on this stage with me this morning than my friend Yasmin from PennDOT. The three-day BEPHL Festival is intended to foster collaboration between all industries and genres throughout the city of Philadelphia in hopes that it will spark new ideas and even more innovation in our region. So my friend, Yasmin Gramian, is the Executive Deputy Secretary at the Pennsylvania Department of Transportation, or PennDOT. You want to talk about a mouthful of a title (laughs) and a heck of a job. You're going to hear a little bit about what she does at PennDOT today. Yasmin, thank you so much for joining me this morning on the podcast. It's my pleasure, Shelley. And I have to tell you something. I still stumble over the words when I want to introduce myself. Executive (laughs) Deputy Secretary, it's a little bit mouthful. I agree with you, but It's a title that's been given to me, and I'm blessed for that. And basically what it means is that you are the secretary's right-hand person, right? That's correct. It's kind of like the COO of PennDOT. I'm responsible for everything that's internal as well as external when she's not around. Wow. I would love for you to share your story. I know a little bit about your story, but I would love for this audience and our listeners to hear about how you got to where you are today. So you started in Iran and then went to Michigan, and now you're running an organization that has 13,000 employees. Talk to us about how you went from Iran to being the number two person in PennDOT. First of all, thank you so much for this opportunity, Shelley, and I want to thank everyone for being here. This is a great opportunity for me, and it's the first time. I grew up in Iran. I was a nerd. I was very much into maths and physics when I was going to school. I loved it. I enjoyed it. And I also grew up in a family surrounded by engineers, architects, constructors. And at the time when I was growing up, there was a lot of construction activities going on in the city that I was living in, Tehran. And I was just fascinated by building and constructing and all the people who were around me talking about projects. I also have two older brothers, and they're engineers. They're civil engineers. And being the youngest and a girl, I was always in competition with them. I knew I was good at maths and physics, and there was a little bit of a sibling rivalry between us. I always felt everything they do, I can do it, maybe even do it better. So I think uh, the combination of the environment I grew up in and uh, the family members encouraged me to get into engineering school. 
So my two brothers were studying abroad. My oldest was at the University of Michigan, getting his master's at the time when I graduated from high school. And the younger one was in England going to Imperial College of Science and Technology, getting his civil engineering degree. When I finished high school, I came to University of Michigan to be closer to my older brother. He was wrapping up and I was just getting in. It was quite a journey for me. I started taking my classes, many classes that I was the only female, but I learned a lot. Of course, later on, you know, when I graduated, I got into the workforce and then there's the other journey that started. So I'm an accountant for the folks who don't know. I came up in the aviation business on the finance side. I admire you for always knowing what you wanted to do because I didn't. I knew I was good at numbers. I took my first accounting course in college, and I hated it so much I changed my major. True story. I changed my major to government. I majored in government with a double minor in economics and philosophy and still ended up coming back to accounting. It just amazes me that you were so focused on what you wanted to do and that you followed through with it. I was, but I think, uh, Shelley, part of it was the exposure that I had. And maybe the exposure was limited at the time, but it was the full exposure in that area that I was focused on. I see the challenges these days with the young people. They have exposures to so many different environments and areas that they sometimes have a difficult time making a decision because they like it all. I went through that with my own two children, and it took them a while to figure out what they really wanted to do. And that's still not the end of it. You know, it's it's ongoing. So that, that was part of it, you know, the exposure, the environment that I grew up in. You spent most of your career in the public sector, and that's where we met. I think we met when you were working for a company called HNTB. Is that right? Private sector. Oh, private sector. I'm sorry. But now you've jumped into PennDOT, which is government and public sector. What are the differences and how would you talk about that change? I started my career as a bridge engineer. I started with a private firm. I put on the hard hats and the boots and I went and I started inspecting bridges. And then from doing bridge engineering, bridge inspection, I went into working on projects, project engineering, designing bridges. Then I went into managing projects. Then I went into being a department head. Then I went into uh, a position of becoming a practice builder in charge of an office, uh, running an operations. Then I took a regional role with another company. Every time I tried to expand the canvas that I was operating on, and that was the reason that I changed, you know, from one position to another. Over the past five years, uh, I was lucky enough to be appointed to the position of the Board of Philadelphia Port by Governor Wolf. And that was the first time I got a taste for the world of public sector, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, there are a lot of similarities in terms of projects and the way things are being done and the customers, but there are also some differences. That was my first exposure to the public side, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, being on the private side for 30-some years, again, talking about expanding my canvas, I was thinking about what's the next move for me. Okay, I've done the local, the regional, the um, bigger region type of a role. What else can I do to have a bigger impact? I also felt like it's time in my career to give back a little bit to a broader scale of audience and public. 
and started having conversation with Leslie Richards, and she offered me this position, which is unbelievable. I love it. It's different in many ways from the private side, but it's also very similar in some ways uh, to the private side. Working on the private side, 90% of the time I was working with the public clients. You were one of my clients, as you mentioned. I worked with Pendot for many years, Turnpike, all the agencies around Philadelphia. And then, you know, I got the exposure with the Northeast clients in New York and Massachusetts and other places. It's very interesting that they share a lot of um, challenges. While there are some differences, you know, the main focus is delivering services for your customers, whether you're on the private or public. What was the most surprising thing about going to work at PennDOT? The most surprising thing, although there were a lot of similarities to what I did on the private side, is how much I didn't know about PennDOT how big of an organization PennDOT is, how many different areas they are actually involved in. It just goes beyond the pavement. It's not just traffic signals and potholes. It's about creating community for people through transportation, bringing communities together, enhancing people's life. Equity is a big part of what PennDOT is looking into always through the public transit making sure we actually create an environment which is a reflection of the society we are living in. Diversity is a big part of what we are actually focused on. Leslie Richards is a big advocate for diversity and inclusion in our business. It's a huge organization and it touches people's life in so many different ways. That was a big surprise. We talk about the airport as the one place that connects Philadelphia with the world. We connect Philadelphia with the world. And we also talk about connecting Pennsylvania with the world because we have almost 30 flights every day from other airports in Pennsylvania that come into Philly. Those folks get off that plane and walk through our airport and hopefully buy something at one of our amazing concessions, but ultimately get on a plane to go to some of the international places that we connect to and and the rest of of the country, folks will say, well, you're in aviation. So what do you care about roads? What do you care about rail? You know, people are surprised to hear that I say, I want an Amtrak station at the airport. They say, well, that's competition. And I say, no, it opens up our airport to customers that we don't have today. We could get people from Jersey and Maryland and D.C. and and New York who would jump on Amtrak if we had the flights that they don't have or if our prices are better or if we're just easier and could come in and use our airport. And the roads, oh my goodness, people couldn't get to the airport without the roads. And so when we talk about transportation, it's it's really holistically. And I, I love how you said that that was the thing that surprised you. Yes, yes. And you're absolutely right. Those days of uh, working in isolation is over. I mean, the Department of Transportation, Aviation, Philadelphia Airport, Amtrak, SEPTA, we're all collaborating. With the city of Philadelphia, of course, we're all talking together. We're all developing a stronger partnership because of the public, because we want to make sure that the public has option and they have good option that fits their lifestyle and where they're living. And we don't want transportation to be a barrier. We want transportation to facilitate your goals in life. 
So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about women in transportation. So I don't know if our audience and listeners know, but PennDOT is run by a woman, Leslie Richards. Number two person is Yasmin. I run the Philadelphia International Airport. And the next biggest airport in Pennsylvania, the Pittsburgh International Airport, is also run by a woman, Christina Cassiotis. So in Pennsylvania, and, and by the way, that is not usual at all for our state to have women in transportation roles like this. I want to start by having you talk, if you would, a little bit about what it's been like to be a woman in transportation, to be a woman engineer. How would you describe your journey there and that piece of it? So Shelley, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. It was a lonely journey. When I got into it, I didn't know what to expect. This is 30-some years ago. I've always felt like I have to work harder. I have to over-prepare. I have to prove myself. That was kind of the norm. I thought this is how it's going to be. There are still some organizations that women's voice doesn't get across. We're doing much better, but there are still some challenges with women being in some of the big organizations. I definitely don't see that on the public side. That's why you see so many women in a leadership position with the public agencies. And it's interesting to me. But one thing I have to tell you, and I'm sure you've experienced that, is there was always somebody who was pivotal in my career. They were actually supporting me, coaching me, mentoring me, challenging me to step up and be brave with what I wanted to do. If there were some hesitation because I had to be over-prepared and I had to know exactly what's coming next, they would talk to me about this is part of the career growth. You got to get yourself into it and you grow as you do the job and you learn as you do the job. So having those people is very important in your life. Take a chance, I would say. That's something that I was always very cautious, you know, wanted to make sure that whatever I'm getting myself into, I knew exactly what's waiting for me on the other side. And this is something, it was a barrier to me at times in my career. And as, as, as you get up in higher positions, you realize that you know, this, these challenges, they only make you stronger and better at what you're doing. I'm sure you've faced it many times. Well, we were talking at lunch, right? Yes. So we, we met for lunch just to talk a little bit about the podcast and make sure we weren't going to surprise each other too much with questions and, and things like that. But we, we were talking about how women, what is it, the, the Sandberg book, Lean In, yes. about how a lot of women won't take a job until they feel like they're 90 or 100% qualified for that job, that we've done all the things that are listed in that job description. And men, they said, what, it's about 40%? Yes. If they've done about 40% of the stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm qualified. I, I can do that job. And, and we talked about that and how my perspective has changed a little bit as I've moved up because I realize, just like you said, nobody knows everything. Nobody knows everything, and nobody's done everything when they take a job. And sometimes you just need to, to close your eyes and hold your nose and jump. And give it the best you have. And I mentioned that to you at lunch, that you know when Leslie approached me and said, I want you to take on this position at the department, I said, Leslie, this is like 
such a heavy lift. I don't know. I've never worked on the public side. You know, I've done this, that, the other, but to cover all these areas. She said, listen, I didn't know. I got into it. And I, honestly, she is one of the best leaders we've had with the Department of Transportation and it's being recognized at the national level. So my pitch to the young ladies is you don't have to know everything. You just have to have the enthusiasm, uh, the, the strong uh, foundation, uh, the energy, and the passion for what you're signing up for. And make sure you take on a good mentor, a coach who can always talk to. It's just like a game, you know, with a game you need the coach, you need the cheerleaders, you need the good team teammates, and then you put a good game on and you're gonna go and you're gonna capture it, you know, your goals. It's no different, I see it the same way. I've been in Philadelphia for eight and a half years now. Sometimes it feels like forever and sometimes it feels like it's gone by in a second. But one of the things that Philadelphia has taught me is a lesson in authenticity. Philadelphians, right, they are who they are. I live in South Philly. They just kind of let it all hang out. And I think it's important to know who you are and who you're not. And when you get to the point where you start to become comfortable with who you are and who you're not, that's when you can really do great things. And I think that's, you know, one thing that I would tell younger women is you are who you are. You're different than anybody else in the room and just own it. That ultimately makes you more comfortable with yourself and I think leads to success. So Absolutely. And, and Shelly, one other thing I always tell my friends, you know, I, I've been coaching some mid-level, younger level female in the engineering field is you may find yourself in a situation that it's not working out for you. The environment is not working out. Opportunities are not there. Give it a try. Try to fix it. Talk to some people. See if there is a way that you could put yourself in, in a position you wanted to see. If it's not, you don't have to stay. There are options out there. There are op other opportunities out there. And I feel like a lot of us, we stay in a position just because we of the unknown. You know, we put up with the known that's not the best, and we are concerned about the unknowns. But give it a try. Be brave. It's not. It's okay. Give it a try to fix it. But if it's not fixable and you're still unhappy, just move on. All right. So one of my favorite questions, what advice would you give to your younger self? And would you change anything in your journey? The advice would be the same advice I'm giving to my daughter. It's follow your passion and don't be afraid of failing. Actually, we gain a lot. We learn a lot. And some of the best lessons of life comes from failures. And the challenges, I can speak for myself, some of the most valuable experiences I've gained came from the biggest challenges I had in my life. So that's the advice I would give to myself is don't be afraid, don't hold back, just move forward and follow your passion. Would I do anything differently Probably not. <laughs> you know what? That's called a life well lived so far. Thank you. So far. <laughs> All right, Yasmin, talk to me about your role at PennDOT. 
So you talked about how PennDOT was different than what you expected, but your role specifically, what is it that you do and what is exciting about it? I wanted to explain the leadership of the organization. There is Leslie Richards and she, and then there's the executive deputy secretary, and then there are five deputy secretaries at PennDOT. The five deputies report up to the executive deputy, and of course, you know, the executive deputy reports up to Leslie Richards. My position as the executive deputy, I'm, res- I'm kind of like the COO of the organization, responsible for the entire operations of PennDOT, and that includes modernization, safety, customer service, delivery on projects, workforce development. So essentially, the COO is responsible for the internal output and external output. That's pretty much my role. Very exciting. It gave me the exposure to all aspects of operation at PennDOT. Four months, five months have you know, been the biggest learning experience in my life. And it's just been, you know, a privilege for me. Oh, and you haven't been through a snow season yet, have you? Oh, no. <laughs> Winter is coming. Praying, praying. <laughs> that's, that's a really big job. What would you say your biggest three priorities are for the next few years? So I'm going to be focused on the biggest priorities are really focusing on addressing the biggest challenges at the agency. Um, it's not in the same order. And, you know, when you have challenges, sometimes the uh, position of the challenges, sometimes you have to give more attention to one challenge over the other, but it's ongoing. My number one challenge right now, our focus area, is really come up with some alternative fundings to do more transportation projects throughout the state. As you've been hearing, the transportation funding for the Department of Transportation has been flat for the past couple of years. In fact, this year, as we're rolling out our budget, we're going to be spending $200 million less in construction and design. The purchasing power is going down because of the inflation. The money that we're getting from the feds is stagnant at, at best. Transportation fund trust fund is at risk because of the insolvency. There's a lot of challenges around transportation funding. This is a huge state. It's Keystone State. Uh, We have over 40,000 miles of roadways, over 26,000 bridges in the state. Up to, I'd say, 10 years ago, we had the most number of structures in poor condition. We managed to bring those numbers. 26,000 bridges. Yes, yes. Wow. Yes. Does that surprise anybody else? Wow. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, I it's just a big to... state. <laughs> it's a big state. And we have a lot of challenges. I mean, I can go on and on. And I just talked about the roadways and bridges, but there is public transit. There's a lot of different areas we wanted to focus on. So how are we going to pay for all that? You know, big needs and not enough money. And I'm going to be focusing on some of the solutions that are out there in terms of coming up with funding. We actually put a task force together internally. We started looking into it about eight months ago when I was on the private side, actually. I was engaged, and now I'm more engaged. We're taking lessons learned from other states. We're also working with our partners, uh, U.S. Department of Transportation, FHWA. Basically, we're exploring all the tools in the toolbox to make sure that Pennsylvania is in a position to address the transportation needs of the state. As 
as we talked about, transportation is the bedrock for our society, our economy, and everything else that we're doing. So that funding is my number one priority, if I have to say. I spend a lot of time because it's, it's a pretty challenging area. Sustainability is very important to me. I mean, Leslie Richards, Secretary Richards, has created this wonderful organization. It's running very smooth, and I wanted to make sure it continues on that path. And as you mentioned, the winter season is coming, and we want to make sure that the public is safe. So that goes without saying. The other priority of mine is workforce development. It's a big challenge on the public side. I don't know. I'm sure you probably are experiencing it. It's very difficult to compete with the private side. The other challenge we are having, we have 11 districts at PennDOT. And six of the district executives are retiring in the next couple of years. So there is going to be a big retirement of senior leadership coming up in, in the near future. And there is a huge gap between the senior leadership and the next level. And that's a big challenge of ours as we are putting together the succession planning for who's going to be next. And we wanted to make sure also that we look into the job requirements, the job requirements and job descriptions and the criteria for bringing senior folks on board, uh, they should be reviewed and looked at again. They were put together years ago, some of them like 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Things have changed since then. You know, some of the requirements back then is not needed today because we are outsourcing, you know, because things are being done differently. So I'm getting together. I'd actually talk to the governor's office, getting together with the Office of Administration to look into those aspects. And also, finally, we need to really have a well-defined, articulated career path for all positions. We wanted to make sure that the training programs we put together, the options we are offering for folks who are graduating from trade schools or high schools or colleges are out there. I mean, this is an organization, as you mentioned, with 13,000 employees. There's a lot of opportunities for everybody. So the, the, the challenge here is well articulation of the program to be able to recruit and attract and also compete with the private side. We call it the silver tsunami. Have you heard that term? Yes. The silver tsunami is is hitting the airport as well. And oh, I'm going to be close, but maybe not 100% accurate. I think it's something like 40% of our blue-collar workforce is eligible to retire within the next five years. Just a little bit about the airport. There are 21,000 people that work at the airport. 21,000 people. That's just badge holders, the people who have a badge to get to the secure side. And of that 21,000, about 900 work for me. Some folks are surprised to hear that, but think about all of the different companies that it takes to come together to run an airport. So the airlines, the rental car companies, the concession operators, the subcontractors to all of those folks, the, the, the TSA, the FAA, the CBP, the alphabet soup of all the federal government organizations that come together to work for the airport. But I, I know our specific 900 folks we're very, very concerned about the retirements and how we're going to replace people. So we've made some specific hires, in some cases, in two positions that we didn't have before, that were deputies to, say, our chief financial officer, because we want to make sure that we have 
somebody that's ready to step up when, when you need to. That's difficult. You know, how do you find the money? How do you find the talent? How do you make sure that you get somebody who wants to come in and really be dedicated to your organization? It's, it's really tough. But I think it's something that we're all going to really have to do. The other thing you mentioned, you have to partner with others. So it's schools, universities, trade unions. The labor unions, I think, are going to be a key partner for us because of our 900 people, it's electricians, HVAC mechanics, plumbers, painters, carpenters. All of those folks work at for me at the airport because we deliver and take care of the infrastructure. And so we have to find folks who want to come in and jump into those jobs. And it's hard. It is very challenging. And one of the things we are trying to do at PennDOT just to make sure that we have a backup plan, not necessarily a succession plan when some of the folks are retiring, is we actually put a lot of people on a rotation base in different jobs so they're kind of get a taste and they understand the challenges within each position so when the opportunity comes up they can go even if they don't want to take those jobs on a permanent basis they can go in and fill in until we find a permanent replacement you'll actually get a kick out of this we partnered with temple university to do a construction management certification class at the airport it was originally meant just for businesses, for, for business owners who are in construction or want to go into construction and how, how do you read plans and drawings? How do you put together a project budget? You know, it's a lot of basics. How do you, when you run your company, what are the things you need to manage in terms of risk? So we put together this, this program with Temple and of all of the, the folks who are signed up to do it, I think we have 20, some almost 30 I think there are about five people who are my employees. It's free. We did it because we wanted to foster women and minority-owned small businesses that are local. But some of my folks signed up. So I stopped in one night. They're in there, I think it's like three or four months. And they're in there every Tuesday and Thursday night studying and you know, going to lectures and everything. I stopped in one night and I said, hey, you know, Alec, one of the guys who, who signed up for the course, why did you do this? You know, I was talking to some of the others and they said, you know, number one, it's a skill I think that, that we could use for our jobs today. But hey, you know, you never know. And I thought, you know what? He's right. You never know where your career is going to take you. And I loved that they all had the mindset of let's learn something new. It could be an option later. So that's awesome. That's a great program, actually. You're giving me some great ideas. I mean, we definitely do collaborate with a lot of local colleges and universities. Learning on job is another program that we implemented at PennDOT. Again, you don't have to know everything. You can come in and we provide you with a mentor and a coach that you can learn it while you're doing the work. And it's just a matter of time. They get comfortable and, you know, can run the program and do the job that's required from them. But there are not too many options, you know. You got to, you got to, if you see people who want to do it and there's passion for it, you got to bring them on and help them. PennDOT won an award recently, 2019 Stick Award. Could you talk a little bit about that and innovation in PennDOT? We won the STIC award as that STIC stands for State Transportation Innovation Council, uh, which established at PennDOT and uh, most of the departments, uh, Department of Transportation. 
And we got the award not for a specific project because we're just so focused on innovation as a way of doing our business. It's integrated into our business. And we were just recognized on the focus that we have on innovation. And innovation, my opinion, actually, I'm going to steal these words from someone else. It's either doing things differently or doing different things, right? Hoping for a better result improving the processes and so forth. And we actually look into doing things differently or doing different things on many different areas, whether it's on the construction side, on the materials, on the workforce, technology that we use, how we spend our money. We also look into that, innovation on funding, innovation on the maintenance side, and you know, just trying to improve the way we do business and do more. So one of the things we actually looked into just recently within the stick department was, or Bureau of Innovation, I, I should say, is this new asphalt material that we're going to be using in wintertime to be able to patch the potholes. I know how important it is to the public. We get a lot of it in the wintertime. We get a lot of fat tires. We get a lot of calls from the customers. And there is really not much we could have done in the past. So we started looking into what can we do to address this situation. And we work with other sister agencies, peers, and we came up with hot mastic asphalt. It's really sexy, I know. (laughs) But it helps address the potholes in the winter situation. The other thing I have to talk about, I really owe it to my team, is the innovation we put in place on addressing the condition of the bridges in the state of Pennsylvania. It's called the Pennsylvania Rapid Bridge Replacement Program, which actually came into fruition about five years ago. It's a P3 program. It's public-private partnership. And we collaborated and we partnered with the private entity. And over the past five years, it's going to actually come to an end By the end of this year, we managed to address the condition of 558 bridges in the state that were in poor condition. We replaced them with brand new structures. This private entity will be maintaining our bridges for the next 25 years, so we believe we're going to get them back in a better condition uh, if we had to build it. And it was just a fast way of addressing the transportation needs. So that's another innovation I wanted to share. So before we leave and before we get to the lightning round, there's one issue that we are working on collaboratively that is really important. And I would say really important to all of you in this room. So how many of you have your driver's license with you? All of our listeners, if you're listening to the podcast, take out your driver's license. What I'm going to ask you is, do you know if your driver's license is a real ID, how many of you know if it's a real ID or not? How many know what, what it takes to be a real ID? Okay, and how many of you have a real ID that is a state-issued identification piece? Here's the deal. If you want to fly on an airplane, if you want to go through a TSA security checkpoint, if you want to go into a government building, federal government building, If you want to enter a military installation, you will have to have a federal government-issued identification form, so a passport or work, or your global identity card, or your state-issued ID will have to be a real ID. And on your driver's license, if you don't have a star at the top right-hand corner, then you do not have a real ID. 
and the deadline is the 1st of October, 2020. So if you don't have a real ID, you need to start thinking about what you're going to do if you ever want to get on an airplane. <laughs> and we've been, when I say we're partnering, it's the airport because we're really concerned. Nationally, it's estimated that 99 million people do not have a real ID. And of those people, most of them don't even know what it is or why they would need one. I'm concerned about Mary, who comes to the airport at the last minute to fly to California for the birth of her granddaughter. And she comes up to the TSA security checkpoint and finds out she can't get on the flight. So we are partnering with PennDOT, who issues the real IDs for Pennsylvania to make sure that everyone knows what they need to get a real ID. And I don't know if you want to say a couple words about that, and then we'll finish with the lightning round. Yeah, Shelley, that's a big uh, concern of ours. And actually, I had a meeting with the governor's office a couple days ago, and when they asked me about some of the challenges that I see. Short term, this is going to be a big challenge for the Department of Transportation. We wanted to make sure that we are actually educating the public about the importance of it. If you're a traveler, even if you're not a traveler, you travel once every so often, and you are under this impression that you can still use your driver's license, we need to make sure that people are educated about the choices and the limitations of the driver's license. It's a big concern to us. The other concern is really being able to respond to the flow of the applicants when it comes to August, September of 2020. As you know, we have limited resources and we need to address all the needs of the customers. We have actually established 13 stations that will provide real ID on spot, on site. Others, they can go through the website, apply, and it will be mailed out. But we wanted to make sure we have the resources. So what we've done, we actually been giving some joint presentation with TSA. We gave one at Philadelphia Airport. We gave one at Pittsburgh Airport. We're going to do the same thing at Lehigh Valley, other airports throughout the state to make sure that we're educating the public. I've been talking to the deputy secretary for motor licensing and trying to figure out if there is a way that we could collaborate a little bit more with the Philadelphia Airport. I even asked him if there is a way we could set up a booth and give out applications. There are some limitations because of all the securities and TSA checks and so forth. But we're still looking into it, Shelley. And we'd be happy to accommodate anything that you can do if you even want to train our customer service reps so that they can give out real ID applications and talk it through. We'd be happy to do that. that so would be a great idea. I, I think we need to talk about it. And folks, if you don't have a real ID and you're interested in getting one, make sure you go to the PennDOT website and look at the requirements because it's not the same as just renewing your driver's license. You have to bring other forms of identification to be able to get it. Okay, lightning round, lightning round, lightning round. Questions and answers. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we're in Philadelphia. Cheesesteaks or soft pretzels? Cheesesteak. Cheesesteaks. I did not expect that. Yes. Pats or Geno's? Tony Luke's. Oh, <laughs> oh. Betsy Ross or Ben Franklin? Betsy Ross. Betsy Ross. Okay. Academy of Music or The Man? That's a tough one. I'd say The Man. Yeah, I think I would too. Nice summer night out. Yeah. Rocky or Sixth Sense? 
six cents. And Flyers or Sixers? Flyers. Flyers. You're a hockey fan. Yes. Nice. And last question. So about 10 days from today, my university plays the University of Michigan. The University of Notre Dame goes into the big house. I got to ask, Notre Dame or Michigan? Shelly, I have to say Michigan. Ah, oh, I, I liked you so much, Yasmin. Me too, but I have to say Michigan. <laughs> it, but can we agree on the Eagles? Yes, we can. I was going to say Eagles, but, you know, it was a tough weekend for me. Or I should say the last game was a, it was a tough one. But between the schools, I'd say Michigan. Yeah, all right. But all we right. agree on the Eagles. <laughs> okay, we <laughs> agree on the Eagles. <laughs> I think that's it for the time that we have today. So, Yasmin, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for joining me. It was a real pleasure and an honor to be able to do this podcast with you. To the studio audience, thank you all for coming out and listening. We'll be here for a couple minutes if you have any questions afterwards. And to learn more about BPHL, please visit bphlfest.com. And to learn more about Yasmin and PennDOT, please visit PennDOT.gov. And also, if you're on the internet, go and check out our new website, phl.org. We redesigned the website. We think you're going to like what you see. That's all the time we have. Again, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Shelly Cameron. Cameron.